Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. What Became of Dr. Smith by artist Noah Satterstrom is on view now through September 22, 2024. Learn more at msmuseumart.org. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. Welcome to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio, where each week we talk to an artist or other creative Mississippian. I'm your host, Leslie Barker, Arts-Based Community Development Director at the Mississippi Arts Commission. And today I'm talking with artist, illustrator, teaching artist, and Greenwood, Mississippi native, Chuck Gailey. Thank you so much for being here, Chuck. Thank you for letting me come on your program. Always enjoy it. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, I want to just say, you know, make sure we say this as much as we can, but you have an exhibition coming up or that actually is in progress right now. Is that right? That's true. It's over at the Max, uh, the Mississippi Arts Experience, Arts and Entertainment Experience over in Meridian. About a year ago, they asked me to put together an exhibit of my children's book illustrations and my uh, just artwork that that I'd like to show and illustrations. And so I worked with um, Stacy Peralta over there, who's the curator, and we developed a nice little uh, exhibit. So it is going on now. All right, so you can actually see Chuck's work, which you're gonna hear a lot about today. You can actually see that work for yourself at the Max and Meridian right now. So, you know, we're gonna jump in and just talk about you know, your beginnings, Greenwood, Mississippi. I was, I was looking at your, your website. You talk about growing up by the river. So yeah. where did it, where, where did it all start for you, Chuck? Uh, Claiborne Street in Greenwood. That's literally on the Yazoo River. Uh, 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 Claiborne Street is, is, uh, runs along the levee of the Yazoo River. And so across the street is this big levee and then beyond that, about 100 yards, is the Yazoo River. And you can imagine growing up with this uh, expanse of land and wooded area and then a river. Uh, that was my, I mean, we could make it anything we wanted to over there. During the summers, uh, the grass would grow at least, well, I guess, at the time, I was small, so it seemed very large, but I imagine five feet high. I mean, that's big. So we would make bike paths through there. And so that was a mm -hmm. big adventure going over there. And there were all kind of bike paths and mysteries to be solved. <laughs> um, but we never really got in the river, so to speak. Uh, interestingly, though, um, every spring, you know, with all the rains uh, in February and March, the the expanse between the levee and the river would flood. Mm. So it would be all kinds of things that would come through that little area that, uh, that would flood back there. When it would dry up in the summer, you'd go over there and find, you know, fish and just all kinds of things that had come down the river and uh, gotten into that little backwater and, and dried up. So it was kind of an interesting uh, experience. Every year you'd go find something new. Mm. Yep. So, oh no, what were you going to say? No, I was, uh, you know, once you cross that 
levee uh, and go down the other side, you know, it's like you're in another world because mm -hmm. you don't see houses, you don't see buildings, you just see this big levee, this big hill, and then you see the wooded area, and then there's the river. So it's like you're in another world and something that you can create. And I, I look back on those times now and, and think about all the time I spent over there just goofing around. And it was just like uh, a playground. And it was lots of fun. And you can make it whatever you wanted to make it. Do you think that that, that time really, you know, fed into your imagination as an artist? I, I think so. Um, you know, it's, I guess it's such a, just a, just a, simply a part of my background of growing up that uh, I think that it probably had a lot to do with it because it was outside. Uh, you know, it wasn't, Greenwood's not an urban area, certainly not a um, small town. So, you know, uh, you go over there, you really kind of had to make up your own experience mm -hmm. uh, in, in the Delta because <laughs> uh, there's not a lot going on mm -hmm. as far as, you know, for kids. I mean, I mean, nowadays there may be more things going on as far as programs or whatever, but uh, not much. So you go over there and you kind of create your own uh, experience. That's a big word for that age, but uh, uh, you create your own games and you ride your bike a lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's kind of like your bicycle was your spaceship or your big fast car or your ship or whatever, mm -hmm. but your bike was your conveyance into perhaps another world. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that I love that. I mean, when you're right, when you're a kid, your bike is just, it's, it's, it's magic. It's, it's like you're flying. That's right. And it, and it's, you know, besides walking, um, it is your first vehicle. Mm. Uh, it's your first vehicle that you power and that you have control over and you can go a lot farther with a, uh, a bicycle and faster uh, than perhaps with a, just walking or running. So anyway, it, it was a lot of fun to go over there and pretend and invent new things. Oh, we I bet. Clubhouses. We had clubhouses over there too. Oh, I mean, nice. When I say clubhouse, we, we would, you know, that big tall five foot high grass that would grow, we would uh, cut out these paths mazes if you will all the way to these little clearing that we created kind of a secret hideaway <laughs> mm. i mean that's just like there's nothing better when you're a kid you know so nothing better so what 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 got you out you know away from the bicycle to the sketch pad how did you start being an artist well you remember you may be too young for this leslie but uh, <laughs> there used to be and I think this probably came out of the World War II era, but uh, S&H green stamps would be given to patrons of a grocery store as they check out at the grocery store. And what you would do, you would stick, you know, put your stamps in a book and there was a catalog that um, had all these great things. And, you know, like this particular item, this lamp would be 
three books of stamps. Mm. <laughs> and so uh, you'd get this catalog. And so, and this is clearly 1950s, 1960s era. And um, so in that catalog were these, uh, these wall hangings of two, uh, when I say hangings, I mean, they were cloisonne cats in, on a cloisonne platform. And you could, of course, save up your stamps for that. But these cats were really, really cool. They were, I guess they were Siamese, but yet they were so stylized that I thought, man, that was so cool to try. And mm -hmm. so I tried to paint those cats on cardboard boxes. You know, that was my poster paint on cardboard, right? Mm -hmm. So I remember the summer after my fourth grade was when I really got started with that. And I think these cats, now that I think about it, kind of look like a Modigliani kind of uh, elongated figure, very mm -hmm. tall, very sleek, you know, that sort of thing. And it was just, they're just beautiful. And so I, I tried to draw and paint those cats. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we had cats as, as pets. And so I thought that'd be real cool to do that. And uh, my parents, thank goodness, uh, caught, well, I mean, they kind of saw that I liked to do that. So they were very uh, uh, supportive of, of um, giving me some lessons there in, in, uh, in Greenwood uh, through a, uh, a lady named uh, Lenny Wacht, W-A-C-H-T. Now she was a German immigrant, came over in the 20s and 30s. Uh, I guess uh, the story goes when she, uh, I guess when the Nazis had taken over. So anyway, she's <laughs> even all these years later in high school, she still had a German accent. Mm. She'd been in Greenwood for 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> but she was quite the character. She influenced me with her uh, original oil paintings. And, you know, she taught private lessons to kids there in Greenwood. And many people in Greenwood remember Lenny. Uh, she was a real character, but here's the deal with Lenny. She brought, in my opinion, she brought a European panache to the art classroom. She, she played classical music, all right? And she served tea at four o'clock. Oh, nice. So, yeah, so I, I thought, you know, of course, we didn't, I didn't have that anywhere else, but, but uh, Mrs. Mrs. Watt's class. And so to me, that was, you know, very influential in the sense of bringing this European flavor to her art classes. So I really love that. <laughs> wow, that's so cool. You know, yeah. that's great. One, one other story that I got to tell you that, that's, that will lend itself to Lenny's character. Um, she always called me Chucky. Chucky, you need to work on this, Chucky. You know, that sort of thing. Fill in over there, Chucky. <laughs> you know. And so later on, uh, I was doing an article about, uh, you know, for the Mississippi Reading Association. Mm. Uh, back when I had gotten into children's publishing and I wanted to interview her and I said, you know, what was your classical background? What was your background in Germany? And she said, well, uh, uh, do you mean uh, 
I'm like, who, who taught you? Well, do you mean Oscar? Oh, well, I'm sorry. Oscar who? Um, Oscar Kandinsky. <laughs> so for those of you who are art historians, art, uh, Oscar, I'm sorry, Kandinsky was one, but Kokoschka was the guy's name. Oscar Kokoschka, mm. a Polish Biblau Ritter with a German expressionist back in the 20s and 30s. I said, you, you, Oscar Kokoschka was your professor. Yeah, yeah. I was just blown away, you know, because I knew who Oscar Kokoschka oh, was, wow. you know, and, but Lenny could tell a tall tale, let me tell you, mm -hmm. <laughs> but I would love to, I'm still thinking it's true. <laughs> that, I, hey, it, that's, that's a great story. I'd like to think it was true as well. Oh, I, I'm, I'm telling you it's true. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you're listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio. I'm Leslie Barker with the Mississippi Arts Commission, and I'm talking with artist Chuck Gailey. This is Leslie Barker. Thanks for listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour. The show airs on MPB Think Radio every Sunday afternoon at 5. To access all of our past shows, subscribe to the Mississippi Arts Hour podcast using your favorite podcasting app. Hi, I'm Walt Grayson. You can now listen to the wild, weird, and wonderful stories of Mississippi with Mile Marker. Some of the big names that travel up and down the highways, obviously Elvis and Johnny Cash, and you have Jerry Lewis, Carl Perkins. Join me as we hit the roads of Mississippi on Mile Marker. Johnny Cash suggested that Carl write a song called Blue Suede Shoes that was all kind of created with Aaron Amory. You can listen by going to mpbonline.org slash radio or by using your favorite podcasting app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. You're listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio. I'm Leslie Barker, Arts-Based Community Development Director at the Mississippi Arts Commission. And today I'm talking with visual artist Chuck Gailey. Now, Chuck is, also, Chuck is an illustrator. So Chuck, tell us about your illustrating. Um. I remember at Mississippi State when I was in the art program there and I would work uh, at the extension service. I had a part-time job as an artist or graphic artist there. And they took this, um, they uh, subscribed to this magazine called Communication Arts, which was mm. it's a national um, magazine about the best graphic design and illustration and art and advertising and design in the country. And I still, mm. To this day, I still subscribe to that. But I saw these wonderful illustrators like Bernie Fuchs and Bob Peake and uh, uh, Robert Heindel. And these guys were just, you know, back in the 70s and 80s, there was very painterly styles going on. These mm -hmm. days, it's more digital and very clean, but very painterly and very, very beautiful, beautiful artwork. And I just fell in love with illustration at that point. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, so I've always, even after I got out of school and went to work for advertising agencies as an art director, uh, I've always kept drawing mm. and uh, working on figuring out ways, who can I work for, what magazines, what books, 
what publishers, that sort of thing, ever since then. Um, you know, I, I, I get teased a lot about illustration because uh, most people in this area are what you would call fine artists or gallery artists. And, you know, uh, you know they, they, <laughs> they, uh, they tease me because they think illustration is a lower level of art than fine art. But mm. I have to remind them that Michelangelo was an illustrator. Mm. As, and I cite, uh, remind them that the Sistine Chapel illustrated the Bible. You are correct about that. <laughs> that is a, absolutely. Yeah. So before, you know, anyway, maybe I got a chip on my shoulder about that, but not anymore. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. I, you know, I just tell, well, I make a living at it, so I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you make a living at it, being an artist. I mean, that's, that's the goal, you know? Yeah, and that's the goal. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so I, I'm curious, what was the first story or book that you el ever illustrated? Uh, well, you know, uh, uh, full color. I'll, 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 I'll take that back. Uh, there was a, um, a some local ladies. And I, gee, I can't remember the name. I still have the book, but they did a book on how to put on a party mm. for kids. And so I did a lot of line illustrations for that. This was back in the eighties. What so, is? What do you mean by line illustrations? Oh, uh, pen and ink. Mm, gotcha, gotcha. Just line, just black and white, cross hatching, that sort of thing. Pen and ink, just black and white. Just no, not even white, just black, just ink. You know, mm. and that reproduces a lot in lot cheaper than full color. Mm. Uh, but later, like in nineteen ninety nine, I think I did a book for Pelican Publishing out in New Orleans called Jazz Cats. And that mm. was the first uh, full color picture book that I, I did. And that came out in uh, 2001. And I did several, several books with that publishing company. Jazz Cats are about these cats in New Orleans who play jazz. Mm. And later the same author, David Davis, um, wrote another book about these dogs in Memphis who played rock and roll. <laughs> and those are very it. cute, very cute poem. They're very syncopated poem. They're fun read aloud books. And I started to understand about writing at that point. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'd been trained as an illustrator, trained as an artist, knew how to do that. And, you know, finally got tried to understand how to put a book together because each of the illustrations need to be consistent all the way through the book. Mm. and you need to have some pacing and there's some other things involved with developing a good story, visual story. Um, but I, I became more and more uh, interested in writing at that point. Mm. When at, at, one, at one point along the way, I was working on some other books and uh, you know, a writer can, you know, 300 to 500 words per picture book, not a lot of work, gotta be really tight. In fact, where the wild things are is 363 words. Really? Uh, Good Night Moon by Margaret Wise Brown is about 150 words. And of course, Where the Wild Things Are was by Maurice Sendak. Both of them, Sendak 60, 1963, still in print. Where the Wild Things Are, I'm sorry, uh, Good Night Moon, I, I think it was earlier, like in 47, still in print. You know, 
And so um, anyway, you start to learn about writing. And the, the kicker was when I started to edit <laughs> a writer's <laughs> manuscript because it didn't make sense in the layout, then I knew I should start writing. <laughs> <laughs> So if, the yeah. <laughs> hey, that, you know, that tells you a lot right there that you, about your love for story. So yeah. I, I know that that stories and words and books are, are very important to you. Um, yeah, I just tell our listeners about that. Um, you know, I've often heard you know, oh, you write for children. Oh, that must be easy. How hard can it be? It's for kids. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, do it. To do it well, though, is, yeah. is the key. To do it well and to write tight. When I say tight, I mean very concise and to the point. And their vocabulary, you know, for a three to seven-year-old are limited, a little bit limited. So mm. you need to be careful there. Um, you don't want to get too saccharine with them, too sweet. A lot of people tend to use their adult imagery of what children should know or children, what childhood should be like mm. from an adult point of view. And that's not fair, in my opinion, uh, because the children are going through entirely different things than we as adults do. So you got to learn how to, what it was like to be little and to only be to see the world from like say three feet off the ground. Hmm. That's where those eyes are and that's how mm -hmm. they see the world. In fact, I'll bet every adult in the, who's listening can remember if, if they did go back to their elementary school, they always say, you know, it just seems smaller now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I did that. <laughs> so uh, story, it's all about connectivity. How do you connect with that child? How do you connect with that experience as a child? And that is where you got them. That's where you hooked them in the sense of making them interested in the story. And the illustration, they need to support that story uh, in the sense of visual storytelling. Um, when you do it well and you combine them together, it, it is more than the sum of the parts mm. of the two writing and illustrating. So those are, are the books that children actually want to read and they actually want to go to the bookshelf and pull down time and time and time again and to read and get you to reread them mm. for them, read to them. So if you can connect with a child that way and, and be on their level in the sense of connecting with them and what they are going through in the sense of, you know, what, what was it like to be the, you know, to go to school for the first time, to, mm. to, to leave the house and your, and your room and go into a strange place with Lord knows a bunch of other kids your age. I mean, that, you know, that's, that's what you got to kind of remember is, what, what is it like for a kid to go through new things and be scared mm -hmm. and be a little nervous? So if you can write and connect with those feelings uh, at that level, and when I say at that level, I mean at that age, then hopefully you'll have a, a good story. 
it's just wonderful hearing you talk about your, your approach because you clearly have such a respect for the children that you're writing for, and that's just beautiful. Um, so, you know, and, and that really kind of leads us to the fact that you are also a teaching artist. That's right. Uh, with the Art Commission, and I'm very thankful for that. I've been about 15 years now, I think, with the Art Commission as a teaching artist and an and their teaching artist roster and their artist roster as well. And what that means is that uh, schools all over the state can apply for grants to have me come talk to their students. And I go into their classroom or their audi uh, auditorium. We talk about stories and we talk about illustration and we talk about reading, which is just so important. And the letters I get and the little drawings I get as thank you notes they're just wonderful hmm. uh, because you can, I'm trying to connect with those kids. I'm trying to make it sound, or I'm trying to let them see how much fun it is to draw and to read and to read stories that they like. And that will make it easier for the teachers when they introduce new stories and especially read to them, the teachers, reading to the kids. Um, they appreciate those stories a lot more. And I think it makes it easier in their studies because they become accustomed to reading. Hmm. I know that, that reading is very important, you know, to you uh, for young people. And, and how does that play into your work as a teaching artist? Hold, hold that thought for just one second, because my phone. You know, I know reading is such an important aspect of education for you. So tell us a little bit about, you know, your connection and philosophy behind that. I think reading is just really important to, to that young child to, to let, uh, let, let them see their teachers reading and also their parents reading mm. because they pick up on that really, really quick. And if they see that a mom and dad are reading for fun, and not just a newspaper or a magazine. If they, you know, pick up a book and reading, that means, you know, that must be something to that. So that means that they become lifelong readers, and they become better students, and they become better citizens, in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so, and thus, they just become more intelligent. You know, it's it's just been proven out so many times. Anyway, I I think it's very important for kids to read. Absolutely. You're listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio. I'm Leslie Barker, and our guest today is Chuck Gailey. This is Leslie Barker. Thanks for listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour. The show airs on MPB Think Radio every Sunday afternoon at 5. To access all of our past shows, subscribe to the Mississippi Arts Hour podcast using your favorite podcasting app. Hello, I'm Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advising firm and co-host of Money Talks. For over 10 years, Money Talks has been answering your personal financial questions and sharing knowledge about money management. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. 
are listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio. I'm Leslie Barker from the Mississippi Arts Commission, and today I'm talking with visual artist, illustrator, and teaching artist Chuck Gailey. So Chuck, you right now have an, an exhibition here in Mississippi that is happening. Tell us about that. That's right. Uh, about a year ago, Stacy. Peralta, who's the curator at the Max over there in Meridian, mm. uh, emailed me and asked me to uh, put together a, an exhibit. And, uh, you know, we, we have been working together well over a year now, <laughs> almost a year, I think. And anyway, the, the exhibit is now on display there at the Max. And uh, it was kind of interesting because uh, when I started considering the art to include in the exhibit. Um, I have an archive of lots and lots of my older pieces of art. Some of them dating back to 95, 94, that sort of thing. And so I thought that would be fun to include. And so there's a variance of styles that have come along. Mm. And I, gee whiz, I've worked in lots and lots of styles. And uh, the piece, the, the exhibit has kind of turned into a retrospective, if you will, of, mm. of just work that I've had over the years. Uh, there's, like I said, pieces in there that are in the 90s, 95, all the way up to last month. <laughs> so, mm. uh, and so I thought that putting that together would be kind of a fun thing to, to, to offer to, uh, to Stacy. Uh, interestingly, the way she works is uh, she wanted to know the, what, what pieces would be in the, uh, the exhibit back in July. <laughs> mm. And I was still working on some new pieces. So I had to kind of quickly figure out a way to show what I was going to be showing. So, uh, which also put a time clock on me, which to, to finish the artwork. Um, a lot of it back in the 90s, I was working in lots of airbrush and lots of uh, acrylics. And it, it comes forward into the 2000s with acrylics. And then I kind of settled on watercolor. And that's what a lot of the books that uh, will be for sale, by the way, I, we, I will be having, or I, I have a, uh, the books are available in the bookstore there or the uh, gift shop. Um, so, Watercolor, I kind of settled on for about 10 or 15 years. And now I'm working pretty much in a pen and ink and watercolor, which is kind of a little more expressive mm -hmm. and a little bit different from what's going on in other children's books that I thought hopefully would, you know, make my work a little different and stand out. So, uh, so I'm always working on new stuff uh, for my uh, portfolio, my you know collection of art, and on my website uh, has the new pieces. Uh, but in the exhibit, um, there are lots of interior illustrations from like the Jazz Cats and Rock and Roll Dogs and uh, Fat Stock Stampede at the Houston Rodeo. I think there's a few pieces of that, and some of the other picture books that I've illustrated as well. Also, there are some pieces that have never been seen that were hmm. in the portfolio uh, that never were published. So, you know, there's a wide collection of, of, of art 
set that I put together. And I was just absolutely thrilled to be a part of the match. Uh, I will say, <clears throat> when I delivered the exhibit uh, in October, uh, that was my first visit to the Max. And mm -hmm. I was just, I was just in awe. And when you walk into that big rotunda of, of uh, the talent that has come from Mississippi and they really emphasize, I think that is the, what they call the Hall of Fame, I think that area. All the talent that Mississippi has to, uh, to had to offer and has to offer is just just amazing, and and I I was taken by the fact of my feelings about that we stand on shoulders of giants. Ah, uh, yeah. So you can imagine a child walking into that museum, and he sees people that look like like him or her. Uh, cross cultures, right? Mm -hmm. And say so they are from Mississippi. If they can do it, I can do that. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's kind of an inspiration to be a part of that uh, in the sense of, again, we stand on the shoulders of giants. And so you take it take it into the future. So, you know, any child that goes in there will see that. And I hope that the parents or the caregivers who take them will remind them that these, these, were, these were kids too in Mississippi at one point growing up. Uh, I mean, talking about not only Oprah, <laughs> Vincent <laughs> Price, you know, all the artists, all the writers, all the musicians, all the, and not, I'm not talking about athletics at all here, you know. These are artists that have come from Mississippi. So I was just in awe of that. And, and they took me through the entire museum. It's just a glorious tribute to, to our culture here in Mississippi and also uh, where probably a lot of those people got their inspiration uh, mm. here in Mississippi. So I was just you know, honored and humbled to be a part of it. You know, I have to ask, as a Mississippi artist, as someone who you know, grew up here and became an artist here, what is it about Mississippi? <laughs> what is it about the fertile soil of Mississippi with the arts? What, what makes it happen, do you think? Well, I, I've got a theory uh, about that in the Delta. Uh, you know, in my, when, I, when I talk about jazz cats and rock and roll dogs. Now, Jazz Cats takes place in, in uh, uh, New Orleans. And, and when I do my <laughs> presentations, I'll say, you got jazz in New Orleans. It's original music out of New Orleans. America's music. Jazz mm -hmm. was invented in New Orleans. You come up the river, you mix jazz with rhythm and blues in the Delta and uh, blues singing in the Delta. You move on north up the river, and then you have Elvis. <laughs> in, that's in, right so you got rock and roll so you know there's that old phrase you don't know rock and roll you don't have rock and roll until you have the blues mm. or something along those lines <laughs> you don't know rock and roll no, no you don't rock you know rock and roll until you know the blues or something like mm. that anyway the point is that the blues influence rock and roll mm -hmm. so 
um, in the Delta, growing up in the Delta, I do think this is just me, my theory. It happened with me. You know, it is pancake flat. It is flat. You can you can drive out on Highway 82 heading to Indianola, and you could see the little city of Shaw um, water tower <laughs> almost mm. from Highway 82, and that's another 20 miles north. Oh wow! <laughs> I mean, that it's it's amazing. But anyway, it's so flat and you you know tree lines break up the the landscape or the horizon uh -huh. so if it's so flat and any artist will tell you the most boring composition is one straight line across the across the page and then, then maybe one vertical line just mm. 90 degrees that is the most boring composition so <laughs> when you think of the delta just being broken up by telephone poles and you know tree lines flat I think you start to look inward for creativity. Mm. And so because if you were in the mountains or you were in a big city with a vertical landscape, lots of activity, lots of angles, you know, and artistic designs, you know, diagonals are, they show action, they show energy, right? Uh, but with flat and vertical, that's pretty boring. You know, <laughs> you look at uh, American Gothic, you know, mm. the, the painting of the farmer and his wife. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And not only their expressions, but you look at that composition, they're just two straight figures going up and down with just a, a line of landscape across the middle of it. So it looks pretty boring. <laughs> and it adds to their Gothic nature, just being mm -hmm. stoic. But so I think one, if you're in that environment, you grow up in that environment, you look inward and you create and you make up your own stuff to do. And I think to me, to me growing up, that was, that was part of it. Uh, different cultures have different experiences growing up in Mississippi. I, I get that. That was just my experience. Oh, I love that. So you had a, an active Im imagination from the, from the early days then. I think so. I, I think so. You, um, you just you just start making up stuff. <laughs> you know, you just start playing, and everybody knows that creativity comes from play. And also with play, right? And go. And uh, everybody knows that uh, creativity is play. So if you're playing and you're making mistakes, that's okay. You, you just keep going, just like when you're practicing a, a piano. You make mistakes, but then you keep going and, and you get better at it. Um, sometimes formally in art lessons and things like that, uh, I think if the play would be underscored and encouraged as well at that, that point too. So uh, anyway, creativity is, um, is part of childhood, I think. So um, I would hope that parents and caregivers and teachers out there would support that and, and let those kids be creative and uh, let them have fun with their art. You know, I think that the name of the exhibit at the max of your work has just the perfect title, 
which is Adventures in the Imagination. Just hearing you talk about it just sounds like the absolute perfect title for your show. So before we say goodbye, one more time, tell us about your show and how people can find out more about it. Yeah, uh, go to msarts.org on the on the internet and it has all the times and uh, when the music and the, when the match is gonna be open and when they can go. Chuck Gailey's exhibition, Adventures in the Imagination of his illustrations right now at the Max in Meridian through March 12th. Check it out. And thank you so much for being here today, Chuck. It was great talking with you. Thanks for listening to this MPB Think Radio podcast. MPB depends on support from listeners. So if you can, please contribute today at mpbonline.com. On Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit and Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app.